0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Have you ever felt like you've tried everything to heal from the pain of sexual abuse, and yet nothing seems to really be helping? Well, one of the reasons why most people struggle to break free from the pain of past child abuse it's because the techniques out there are positioned as a one-size-fits-all answer. What I want you to know is that there are actually three distinct phases on the path to recovery, and I'd love to share with you about these phases, what issues you must resolve to move to the next phase, and what kinds of support you'll need in order to move forward as quickly and completely as possible. The road to recovery is much easier when you know what stage you're in and what to do next. So don't hesitate. Go to www.rachelgrantcoaching.com slash checklist and get your nine-page guide today. Now, on to our show. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I have been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm also the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. I can work with you and support you around moving from that place of feeling broken and unfixable to a life that you truly love and enjoy. And you can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now today I'm very excited to have here with me my guest Jillian Short, who's going to be sharing with us all about the art of active healing. I can't wait to dig into this um, topic with her. She's such a powerful advocate and um, and colleague of mine. And I want to tell you a little bit more about Jillian before I bring her on. She's an international spokesperson for Stop the Silence and also the founder of Always a Voice, a local and web-based support group committed to providing encouragement and awareness for adult survivors of child sexual abuse and other forms of trauma. She herself was subjected to sexual abuse um, from a young age until at, until seven. And at the age of 12, when her parents um, went to Micronesia as missionaries, uh, she loved it and began to learn language and embrace that culture and eventually became an interpreter um, for the mission church. And her abuse kind of fell into the background, became this kind of buried and unaddressed things. Until years later. And I'm going to let her tell a little bit more of her story um, here during our time together today. But mostly, what I want you to know about her is that she has gone on to become a court certified translator interpreter, uh, a co owner of a real estate investment company, and the founder and CEO of Always a Voice. She is such a strong advocate. Um, She also holds the title of Mrs. District of Columbia, U.S. Continental, and will be competing for the national title in August 2017. I didn't know about this. We're going to have to hear more about that. (laughs) So Jillian has gone on to um, have a a thriving marriage and family um, more than she really could ever have imagined. She's a a real um, testimonial to the journey that survivors can go on from, you know, when life looks like it's bleak and not really going to work out to to healing and changing. And above all of that, she's also an author of three books. Um, so there's plenty that she has to share with us, and we've got a lot to learn from her. So let's go ahead and get right to it. Jillian, welcome to the Beyond Surviving podcast. Hi, Rachel. Hello, hello. <laughs> so... Um, you know, on your journey, Jillian, uh, you have you know gone through many trials and tribulations, as all of us survivors of trauma do, and you've come to this place where you now think of healing as an art. And um, by way of sharing a little bit of your story with us, I'd love to hear more about that and, and how you came to to think of healing as an art. Yes,
1: that's a really really important
0: question. Um, I've just finished writing.
1: Three of the four weeks this month of August on this very subject. It's a subject that's very close to my own heart. As Rachel has spoken already, I am a survivor as well of not only childhood sexual abuse, but um, a lot of times I know if any of you have talked to other survivors, if you're a survivor yourself, we find out that there's a lot of similarities and there's a there's a thread that kind of runs through survivors' lives. And what happens is we have abuse that happens in our childhood because we're not aware of what's going on and our parents don't know what's maybe they're not even aware of it maybe they're part of it whatever we go on to become adults with relationships and as we all know this affects who we choose this affects how we live and it affects how we parent so I found myself years down the road in an abusive relationship, and then find out that several of my, um, I have 10 children, and several of them were being sexually abused. Okay. Now, this is like double whammy. This is like quadruple, you know, tenfold whammy to in, in our lives. And, but it's, it's yeah. not as uncommon as we think. It's, it's part of a, the package of life when we don't, when we don't get proper help. It's kind of what happens. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. your question was, you know, how did I get onto the whole art of active healing? It's this process of, in my life, finding myself at the end of finding out the stuff about my children and the pain that it mm-hmm. caused, it brought back pain from my past, and what ended up happening was several years of completely coming apart and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came to a point that I realized, though, that there is life after this, and that if we want to be whole and healthy and well, it is possible for us to do so, just right. as if we found out we had diabetes or anything else. It is possible for us to find our new wellness And find that. And it's an art. I believe that there's a a
0: choice that we make to become as whole as we want to be. Mm -hmm. I love that. And, you know, I think choice and reclaiming choice are so, so key for survivors of abuse. And coming to that place of, you know, thinking about your journey of healing as something that you're the author of right? that You almost like you're the painter, if you will, we'll take your analogy of art, right? (laughs) (laughs) You have the canvas in front of you, that is your life, (laughs) and you have the paintbrush, and you at a certain point really do come to that place of going, okay, like, what do I want to create here? What do I want to paint? And yeah, there are things that we need to put in place to help us, you know, paint maybe a little more proficiently, you know, we get, we get, you know, coaches or support to say, no, try using this color over here, right? Or here's how you make this look that way. And, um, and so what was it for you? Do you, was there a particular, I mean, certainly, you know, this moment that you describe of, you know, understanding that your children have gone through trauma sounds like it was pretty pivotal in helping you recognize that, okay, it's time to make some choices here. It's time, um, to, to move in a new direction. Was there anything else that you could really pinpoint for yourself that helped you in, in first of all, recognizing that you had that choice available to you and then really being able to fully step into that and take ownership in that way?
1: Yes, the pinpointing a specific moment I cannot do because for mine it was, um, it was a, a process for me. And something that's very... Um, important to my story and it's possibly going to resonate with um, people that are listening maybe to some degree or maybe very very much mine was very wrapped up in religion and this is not, my intention is not to pick apart validity as far as religion goes what I am bringing up though is that when a child and then you grow up to become an adult and you're underneath some type of the religious order that says this is something you must do or else you are either condemned to hell or you are completely in the wrong. When someone lives under that, it brings a whole new set yeah. of traumas and confusion because it no longer is about what I want. Mm-hmm. It's no longer about my feelings. And when you put the, I'm going to just say it, and I'm, I'm hoping and trusting that, Anyone listening will understand my true meaning deep down, reach way down and try to understand what I'm saying. When someone puts the God thing over someone's head, it brings a whole new set of indecisiveness, confusion, fear, trauma. And in my heart, I so wanted to do right. I'm a nice, kind thoughtful, caring, very thorough person. So growing up knowing or thinking that I knew what God wanted from me really threw a monkey wrench into my whole life.
0: Mm, So for
1: me, my moment of understanding, oh, my goodness, um, perhaps I've been a little wrong about all of this, was not a moment where I said, okay, here we go, I see clearly now, and then, you know, the song comes on, I can see clearly now. It didn't happen for me.
0: (laughs) No, no shining light out of the heavens to say now, Jillian, now. That's (laughs) right.
1: In fact, fact, the shining light was there for so long saying, Mm. come on, honey, come on, honey, you can do this, you can do this. And it was so scary for me that it took took a, a long process and, and at this point, Rachel, looking back, I have to tell also the listeners that I had to go through several years of therapy and counseling just to get over the fact that it took me so long
0: mm-hmm. to
1: get it, to understand mm-hmm. and to actually do something and reach out for help.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah. I had to work through that. So for me, my process was um, I had a large family. I didn't know how I was going to make these changes I and mean, they were big changes. Um, didn't have a lot of support in fact, I had very little outside support. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. as I made these important changes, I found the strength to make the next one and the next one and the next one. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where pretty soon I, I was I was running, you know? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was no longer scary steps. It was wow. You know, here here I am, and and it's
0: a, a whole new life. I love that. Yeah, you know, and something I want to highlight from what you just shared there, Jillian, is that step-by-step, step, you know, um, I kind of think of it like paint-by-numbers, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so That's I think right. when we look at, right, when we look at yeah. um, the whole picture of healing and like, oh, I've got to deal with this part over here, and I've got to deal with that part over here, and man, how am I ever going to fill up figure out this piece or let go of that thing? uh it can start to feel really overwhelming yes but exactly. if we can find that place of going you know what okay what's you know color number 1 if you will right or step number yeah. 1 what's the the yeah. next thing that i need to do and and try to break it down and try to keep it small and simple um you know then we can we can tackle you know what seems like sometimes an insurmountable um you know journey really or process yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
1: and and it's twofold. We have to have this long-term vision, you know, if we Mm -hmm. take it back to the whole painting and you kind Mm -hmm. of stole that completely from me, and, and that's perfect, 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 because the whole healing as an art, if we look at it, like you said, similar to a painting or similar to, you know, we've all been to perhaps little camp or workshop things where they'll hand you a pile of stuff and say, okay, make something out of this. And you're supposed to end up with this certain, maybe this model that they want you to showcase mm-hmm. something that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. Or let's say we're watching a cooking show and you're supposed to be ending up with this prize dessert and they hand you these strange ingredients. And it's all about creativity and knowing, okay, if we take these main components, and mix them. For instance, the baking powder and the, all this other stuff, we're going to come up with a basic muffin recipe, so, but now they've handed you all these weird ingredients. <laughs>
0: right? So
1: that's exactly how, if we can take the perspective of, okay, you know what, I have a choice. I can either sit here in this pile
0: mm-hmm. the rest of my
1: life, I can sit in it, you know, as the, the smoke comes up from the burning pile of rubbish that you're sitting in. And I'm very visual, so I see these things. And this is something else I'm going to say. This is part of the art of being okay. I visualize these silly, maybe silly little pictures in my head that get me where I'm going. Yeah. There was a moment in time. I visualized myself sitting in my pile of burning rubbish, and that's exactly where I was. Mhm, but mm-hmm. but here we have it. We sift through this stuff, and there's still there's still things that are there. It didn't completely burn off. There are still things in my pile, and what I had to do is take my long term vision, okay, I can see what it is that I really want, yeah, but in order to get from here to there, it's not like we just go, oh, okay, we're well, good. there we are, and we right, jump over there, right. It's patience, but it's also dreaming big. It's like the, it's a balance. It's a balance between saying, look, I'm sorry, I'm broken right now. My life has just, I just woke up and realized, oh, my goodness, look look where I am. Look what's happening to me. Look what's happened to my kids, whatever mm-hmm. the situation mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. But in order to get where I want to go, I have to be willing to say, okay, you know what? I'm not going to be here the rest of my life, and I want to dream big and say, no. I envision a happy woman that that will be able to be strong enough to do the things I want to do in life. And yes. you know, Rachel, if we look at that in any kind of disease or illness in our life, that is exactly what someone has to do. When we find out and I use the word the, the part about diabetes a lot, because my husband has diabetes. And you know, when you find out, let's say you find out you have diabetes. Today, That's devastating. If you've been having symptoms, you may not have even realized that's what the symptoms were and all of a sudden now you've been given this prognosis, this, this almost like a, a sentence. Mm-hmm. You have diabetes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, we all, every single one of us, understand how to look at something like that and we're not just going to say, oh, oh well, we have diabetes. Now I'm just going to you know, sit here and, and I'm, I'm sentenced
0: to yeah. End up right. My like, toes and this my is it's going to be. Uh huh.
1: You know, and and we uh, are comfortable. Such a good point. Mm-hmm. We're comfortable with the idea that this is going to take a little some change. This is going to take some work. Um, it's going to take some maybe involvement with family to help me be the person that I want to be. And yeah. The next really important thing to highlight is that sometimes. Please, please, anyone who's listening, this is so important. Anytime that we get a prognosis like that, if we could fast forward two years down the road and let's say we've really worked this program, we've changed our eating, we've done everything we can, we don't want to be sick, we want to be healthy. Do you know that after two years, we may be able to look at our lives and say, you know what, I have never been healthier.
0: Mm Mm-hmm hmm. Yeah, you know, it's such a such a, a critical thing that you're highlighting here, which is vision. Um, I, you know, this is the the first step that I always take with every one of my clients. And sometimes, you know, it's not unusual to hear, you know, I've never actually really thought about what life might be like if they weren't feeling this way or if this weren't happening because yeah. you know we're so we're so consumed with all the things that are not working right where things are hard where things are bad where things are going wrong we put all of our focus and attention there and almost forget to think about well what's the alternative and what do i really want and what does that look like but you're yeah. absolutely right the more connected we can get you know about what is it that we really want to be feeling what do we want to be doing in our lives and um and get really specific about that we create something we create energy right we create momentum that starts drawing us yeah. towards that thing And what a really powerful perspective that you've offered us in the sense of, you know, we don't just sit back and go, okay, well, I have cancer and that's just it, done.
1: (laughs) No, like we think,
0: okay, what's the solution here? What do I do? And, and, And it is, it's an interesting phenomenon that in the world of recovery and healing, you will hear, well, this is just, you know, how it is or there's nothing I can do about it. And to be able to come out of that place by way of vision and getting connected to that is a great place to start. Yeah.
1: Yes, it yeah. really is.
0: And, you know, it,
1: it's, it's important what you said um, as far as the the ability to look at our, our emotional, spiritual, and mental health as important. Mm-hmm. Just as important, if not more important than our physical selves, and it's all part of who we are. And uh, I, I mentioned, I believe pretty strongly in this last week um, in the uh, article that I wrote in this in this uh, subject that in our culture we're encouraged to take active. Part in our own healing, in our physical healing, mm-hmm. children would yeah. be encouraged. you know we 're not going to just let a child sit there and lose his toes and his fingers and from diabetes and not taking care of insulin and all these things. but so often, when we have situations let's say we've had childhood sexual abuse, and we don 't just have these things, and then it not affect us. I mean, there are symptoms, normal symptoms. Yes. that come into a child's life because of what they've undergone. Yes. And just as if they had diabetes and we have thirst and we have all of these physical symptoms and no one would look at a child who is having a, an insulin issue and they're freaking out and sweating and going through if you've ever known a child that had the, the, the type 1 diabetes. Um we're not going to look at them and say, snap out of it, get over mm. it. Um, yeah. you know, we look at this as a common, normal, physiological symptom. And I'm, I'm telling you today, and I know, Rachel, you, you have stressed this in your teaching as well, that in our spiritual, mental, and uh, emotional health and in our lives, there are normal symptoms of these adverse childhood experiences that we go through. And mm-hmm. we are unaware as a culture, as a, as parents, as school teachers, as even social workers, we're unaware sometimes just what to do with this. We shame children. We We treat them as if it's just, something that they need to get over it's something that they need to snap out of it's just oh they're just rebellious or Mm they my daughter is has a um she has an anger issue and she needs to quit acting this way yeah child doesn't
0: understand you that's right yeah sorry sorry to interrupt but it just really sparked a thought in me that it's almost as if we treat it because it was an incident Okay, well, yeah. we'll say even if it's an ongoing incident um that people start to treat it as okay, well, it's not happening now. So why what are you worried about? Like get over right. it. And if right. it's something like diabetes that's ongoing, they have more compassion. But yeah. I think you're right. We need to understand that just because the incident, maybe the abuse is no longer cur- occurring, the um disease that is there as a result of the abuse and the trauma is ongoing until it gets treated, until there's healing, until there's interventions. Yeah. Yeah. And I love your your use of the word disease,
1: dis-ease. Yeah. You're one of the few I've heard that's actually caught that that word. I love that. I'm a word person. Yeah. (laughs) The whole dis-ease. You know, we we have this, this strange feeling like when we say, oh, someone has a disease, we picture this like... Green, um, you know, <laughs> type mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. foggy look, you know, where somebody's dripping with with poison or something. But mm-hmm. you know, these things in our lives. These, um, if if you've ever heard of, I know you have of Aces. Yeah, Ace stands for adverse childhood experiences, and it's it's just such an interesting concept. In fact, once I learned about this, it did help me. It's not like it changes anything because we can't go back and undo what's happened to us. We just can't. That's right. So there is an element of what we've gone through that I'm just going to say, it. it, it, it is not able to be completely taken out of our lives. It's part of, of what we've gone through. And unless we're in a car accident and we completely lost our memory, it's going to be there. But this dis-ease, this the disease, the way that it works in our lives, what we do with it. it, It's true. We can't go back and we can't change what's happened. But at this point, we hold the paintbrush. We are sitting in the pile and life has said, okay, here it is. Mm -hmm. Here's the strange ingredients and you've got to come up with these muffins at the end. You know what I mean? right? And it's It's something that if we really want to, we could take control in a proactive and almost, if somebody can try to catch this, I want to be contagious here, if we can catch this as something positive and say, well, darn it, it really isn't positive, but I'm I'm, going to make it positive. Because right now, they don't hold my paintbrush. I do. That's
0: right. That's right. That's right. I hold it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about some ways um that um that we can become actively involved in our whole in our own healing. How do we pick up that paintbrush? What are some of your favorite ways? What would you um offer as far as guidance or advice along those lines, Jillian? Yeah, that's a tough one um to say my favorite,
1: but the vision, the perception, the that's a key, really big key. Um, the biggest practical move I ever did for myself was to buy a notebook, and I can't stress enough that I know even if you're a computer person, I'm a computer person. I'm constantly on my phone, but but buying the act of buying a even a pretty little notebook that can fit into your purse having a pen connected to it, and write, physically write it into this notebook and don't just write um, platitudes. Write how you feel. Write poems. Mm -hmm. Write, um, even if you're horrible at poems, this is your book. Write letters to God, angry letters, happy letters. Write letters to the people that have hurt you. Do things in that notebook Make lists of what you want to do for yourself. Make lists of how you can help your physical body get better. Take back your life through lists. Even write down stuff you've already done just so you can cross it out. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a feeling of doing something. Sometimes that's the first step. You know, a lot of this stuff, it's, it's, in, our, it's in our hearts. It's our memories. It's our yeah. It's not something we can go out and have a doctor fix it. So when someone says, oh, you just need to forgive. I've had people and and myself, sometimes I've I've wanted to scream, how do you do that? How do you actively, physically do that? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So sometimes picking up a notebook, it's not like it changes anything, but it does, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that there's a lot to be said for our uh, giving expression to our thoughts and our feelings. I think one of the uh, a key component of trauma and abuse is the silencing of the the person yes. and making the person feel as if they are the problem, they are yes. the error, they are bad. Um, and beginning to get some distance and separation from that is so, so important. And one of the best ways to do that is through writing and beginning to express those things that have gone unexpressed, that have been tamped down, or that have just, you've been told you don't get to say, you don't get to do. That's
1: right. Yeah, so, so yeah, and important. and for me, yeah, and for me, I, I speak another language as, um, you mentioned at the beginning, and it's a language that almost no one speaks. I grew up in a third world country very far from here, and Teeny Island, and when I first started speaking out about the things that not only happened to me, but that I was still having happened, see, when I found out about my children's abuse, I was still in this abusive religion that condoned Mm -hmm. beating your children, in fact, not only condoned, but stipulated that we must Basically, and I'm I'm gonna just say it, and it people can argue if they want, but it's almost like go ahead and beat them in the name of Jesus. And mm-hmm. I am very, very much against this. It's very damaging, and um, yeah, we know yeah. more about that on a, a different day.
0: Boy, <laughs> well, we could get but, into that,
1: couldn't we? <laughs> yes, we could. Yes, we could. But but when I first began to even remotely speak out, Rachel, I had been under the teaching that a woman, a wife, does not speak out against her husband. She doesn't speak out against her church leaders. And if you do right. so, you are sinning. And, and I, I can't even stress enough, just this may not sound like a big deal to someone who hasn't been in that hole. It's like an aura. It's not, it's not even something that you can explain. But it is an unspoken weight that you cannot break because it's God is covering it all Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and for me to even get out the words that I was going through anything filled me with such fear that it was almost like I was going to shake the cosmic world and that somehow I'd be swallowed up in it now this is a strong woman that's talking to you today this is not who I am But that's where I was.
0: Right, right.
1: That was where I was. So when I first began writing in that notebook, I didn't even write in English. I wrote in another language that no one could read. And as I did this, I gained momentum. And then I wrote a letter to someone I trusted and explained the whole thing. Then I was so afraid that I'd written it that I destroyed it and wrote it all out in this other language. Then mm-hmm. I destroyed that. So we're oh, wow. talking about somebody. So we we were, I was a mess. Now, I highlight this because if that's where someone is today, I am living proof. I am living proof that there is power, encouragement, love, happiness, laughter, and strength past that and and that's where I am today and Mm. I've been
0: for a long time yeah well that's a really wonderful place for us to draw a conclusion to our time together today in that word of hope and encouragement I hope you all really hear that and hear it again and listen back and replay it. <laughs> and um, I know we can go into that place of, yeah, for her, but not for me. But it's really not true. You know, every person has the same opportunity to heal and to move forward in their lives and to reclaim their lives from trauma. And I really appreciate, Jillian, just this perspective that you're bringing today that I so, so, you know, I'm really behind it. It's really my, my philosophy as well is that we Um, We do that first and foremost by becoming active in our healing, by taking up, you know, um, the – in some ways taking up the burden and saying, okay, I didn't cause this, but I'm going to solve this. And doing what we need to do, whether that be joining support groups, reading books, getting coaching, going to therapy – Um, But please be active. Think about the next step that you can take, even if it seems scary. Make it really small and doable um, because there is so much hope and healing available for all of us. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. So, Jillian, I want to thank you so much for just being here today and sharing yourself with us and your journey and your perspective. Remember that you can connect with um, Jill at alwaysavoice at gmail.com. Or you can check out the website, alwaysavoice.com, and also stopthesilence.org. Both great places to connect with her. She's also on Facebook. Uh, you can look up on Facebook Always A Voice or Stop The Silence and connect with her that way. Anything you want to add to that there, Jillian, as far as how people can connect with you or anything else you want to share about Always A Voice or Stop The Silence? Uh, yes,
1: just uh, anything with Always A Voice on it. That's also my email. And Stop the Silence, you can also get in touch with us with email. And I'm so excited. and i I just really excited to hear from any of you that would like to share your story. Feel free to come on. There's a closed group page you can share as well if you're um, nervous about getting on a public page.
0: Awesome. Yes, thank you. And we mentioned it a few times here in our conversation. Uh, Jillian has been the guest blogger for the Return to Your Genuine Self blog this month. So be sure to go check that out. You can access that most easily from the website under the resources section. Um, so pop over there and check out her four part series um, on active healing, um, the art of active healing. Really lots of great, rich information there and um, expands on what we've talked about today. Um, So, Jillian, thank you again for your your beauty and your advocacy and your encouragement that you've offered us today and, and for being my guest. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Rachel. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in and joining us today. Uh, Don't forget to visit RachelGrantCoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and to explore the other resources that are available. And please be sure to subscribe to this podcast, leave a comment, tell your friends, and come back next time because we have so much more to share. And until then, take good care of you.